If you're looking for excellence in professional wrestling opinion and information, then look no further. You're listening to the Ring Scoops Podcast. For over 20 years, the revolutionary force in the internet wrestling community. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ring Scoops Podcast here on twitch.tv slash ringscoops, anchor.fm slash ringscoops, and anywhere else you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm the webmaster, Wade Needham, and this is a new era in Ring Scoops. And on the line with me here, the co-hosts of the Ring Scoops Podcast, Macavall and Kat. How y'all doing tonight? What's up? What up? Mac, I have a question for you, bro. I've been wanting to ask you this for the last couple days. It's been on my mind. It's been on the world's mind right now. Hmm. Jake Paul, Nate Robinson. Your <laughs> your thoughts. Um Well, first off, I'm not going to you know, give any disrespect to Nate Robinson just from the fact that he decided to get in squared circle and box. Um, thing is, is a lot of people don't probably have never seen Jake Paul until this pay-per-view happened. I don't know if you know this, but they have estimated that this pay-per-view with Tyson sold 1.2 to 1.5 million buys. Wow. Exactly. It's a lot. So there's a lot of, yeah. So there's a lot of people that don't necessarily know who he is. There's some people that do, but this is his second fight. Uh, his first fight that he had was against some guy, name I think his name is Deji or something um, they had some real legitimate beef because his brother Logan Paul um, faced a guy by the name of KSI KSI was a big YouTuber Logan Paul was a big YouTuber so they really had some legitimate beef Yeah, um, going back and forth with each other and they had like huge followers like I think uh, between them is probably 25 million followers and subscribers that they have to their channel um maybe about 10 to 15 million like it's it's a lot of people and uh you know the first fight that they had and jake was on the card for that um he faced ksi's younger brother and he beat his younger brother but it was a more competitive fight surprisingly <laughs> when his that's the part that really surprised me. So if you saw Nate Robinson, because uh, he had YouTube videos where he was training for his fight, if you saw him spar, then you would know, okay, this is probably not going to go so well. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard some, okay. heard some movement on the mic. I don't know if that was me. But uh, yeah, um, you probably were like, like if you saw him spar and I asked anybody to go and see, he has a videos called road to road to the uh, fight. And literally his very first video was him learning how to throw a proper punch. 
He had absolutely no boxing experience at all whatsoever. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. So Jake, who's already has a fight under his belt and has been training nonstop since that fight has happened with professional trainers, world champions that are legitimate boxers and sparring with them and getting coached by them for over a year plus, of course he's going to beat Nate Rock. So I'm not on the, the whole train of, you know, oh, Nate got knocked out and da da I'm not on that. I'm on the whole mind state of that. It was a, a tremendous mismatch. There's no way Nate should have been in there. There's no way Jake should have took that fight. But as a guy that doesn't really like the Pauls that much, and I don't really know too much about them. I just know how they were doing their press conferences and stuff with the KSI thing. I didn't really like how they were coming on. But um, he gave nothing but respect to Nate after the fight. He has not said one bad thing about Nate Robinson, and I give him respect on that. But um, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. And if you're in a boxing match, you're going to get knocked out. That's plain and simple. Well, it's it's pretty ironic, though, you saying that somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, considering the uh, outcome of uh, Tyson Jones, it being a draw and everything. But um, I, you know, my, my thing about uh, the whole Robinson and, and, and Paul fight, I wasn't necessarily like cracking jokes or anything like that about how they get, got knocked out or anything, but I just thought his fighting style was a little weird. He just did not seem like he was like, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. You know, uh, I'm usually yeah, doing he's just words. Trying to fight. speechless. He's trying to, yeah. He's trying to do a street fight. Cause he didn't, he didn't have the, the proper boxing training. Yeah. He was so just he trying to run up on him. Yeah. He's trying to run up on him and, and smother him, and, and I think what happened is he looked at the footage that happened with the first fight with Jake and KSI's brother, and in that fight, KSI's brother kept swarming him and not giving him any type of room to breathe. That's the same thing uh, when KSI faced Logan Paul. Um, he just literally did not give Logan any room to breathe at all. So... It's just ironic because the whole boxing thing did not start with the Logans. It started with KSI. Mm -hmm. KSI faced some other YouTuber and stopped him in the fight. Like, he's the one that came up with this whole thing. And then it blew up once the, once the Pauls got involved. So now it's like the Pauls are just taking over. And it's like, no, KSI <laughs> started this thing. Yeah. And KSI beat Logan. So... You know, for Logan to be calling out Floyd Mayweather mm. and for Floyd Mayweather to actually respond back to him. You know, like, that's the part I'm kind of shaking my head. It's like, you lost, bro. Not only did he lose, but he pulled the Trump and he at, he went to the, the boxing commission and said to the boxing commission, I don't think I was judged fairly. So I want you to re-look at all of the... Um, yeah, he did. I swear to God, he, he put, so the boxing commission said, are you crazy? You lost, bro. Yeah. So it's like, but now, you know, they want to fight all the big stars and it's, it's just ridiculous. Sounds ridiculous. 
It, yeah, it is. Uh, I have to say though, because um, we we watched the uh, the whole pay per view, and I was surprised. Uh, my parents, my brother, and I we watched the whole pay per view from opening to end, and overall, I, I thought it was very entertaining. I mean, obviously, I didn't pay for it; my brother did. But um, and he came up to me last night. I was surprised. He said, "I don't think it was worth the fifty bucks." And of course, I like I said, I got the biased opinion about it because I didn't. I'm not the one that shelled out the money for it, but I thought it was a very entertaining pay per view. Um, Tyson looked amazing. Um, I loved the, the the undercard. I thought it was very well done. Um, really good matchups, with the exception of you know the the semi main, but um, a Snoop on commentary man was the what MVP. Do you think of the- what do you think of the music, though? Because I hear a lot of people that are very disappointed with there there being you know all this music performances and stuff like that between the the match. I mean, as far as like the core concept of like, hey, let's make this like a hybrid boxing event and a concert. I like the idea. Um, the majority of the performances not my cup of tea. I did enjoy Snoop's, obviously, because fucking like Snoop Dog, man, come on. But right. the other guys I wasn't really familiar with, and it's just it's not my cup of tea that much. But I mean, I'm not gonna bash it or anything. You fucking, you gotta throw stuff against the wall, see what what sticks, right? So, so this is goes back to the con because I don't know if you know this, and then we'll head to to wrestling because this is not freaking ESP. Hey, this isn't um, wrestle scoops; it's ring scoops. So, <laughs> um, so if you remember back in the day i always would say this i've said it on a few shows over the years here on the ring scoops is that um you know in japan they've always had this hybrid card concept of having these mega shows and these mega shows would be a combination of wrestling matches kickboxing matches and boxing matches all on one card and they would call these super shows and literally, they would have all of these things, all these different forms of entertainment on one platform. And I think that's what they will probably move towards. They had announced today that they're going to be putting out something called the Fight Club. And Snoop has signed on to be the uh, play-by-play commentator announcer nice. uh, for this. And... It's basically, they basically said it's going to be a hybrid of um, Instagram, YouTube, personalities, celebrities, and legends uh, boxing each other um, in this fight club. So they said the one thing that made me shake my head that I wasn't too happy with is they said it was going to happen seven times a year. I think that's way too many times. I think that's way too many times. Four times because a year should probably be the max, right? I think three because you got to have enough time to build these fights up. Yeah. So I think that they did a good – I think the, the Tyson numbers were completely unexpected because it was unexpected for me. But when I saw how many people were talking about it on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I need to find a stream. Dude, Iron Sheik, Iron Sheik did like a, a live reaction – throughout the whole pay-per-view on Twitter. Right. So it was just, I didn't know that the nostalgic factor was such, you know, a big thing, but it's like, I don't know. But Hey, Kat, did you watch the uh, Tyson fight or did you see any clips from it? 
No. But I know uh, you gave Jeff some. Uh, you were texting Jeff about it. Yeah, because he was asking me about you know how it was and everything, so I was kind of giving him some updates. Yeah. I, yeah, I, so I, I mean, I would see some stuff on Twitter, but that was it. It, you know, looking back, like if I had to shell out the fifty bucks for it, I don't know, I would be on the fence. But because I didn't, I enjoyed it more. Um, mm-hmm. It was also kind of cool because we kind of we kind of gimmicked it up over here at the house. Like we set up the projector, we had the big one hundred and twenty inch screen, um, we had the surround sound going, we had catering from Emilio's over here. Like we made it a big family event. That Saturday night, it's just like the yeah, just like the old school Tyson fights used to be. Yeah, I remember my, my mom told me a story about um, it was a Tyson fight. So what happened is back in the day, I didn't know this, but back in the day, for pay per views, you had to actually go to the cable provider, and you had to get a special box to put on your TV. Wow. So it wasn't like you can just turn it to pay per view. No, you had to go and get a specialized box. And put it on your TV. And once the pay-per-view event was over, then bring the box back. Hmm. So everybody was in line to get this box. So it was my grandpa wanted to see it. And, you know, they, you know, had popcorn and snacks, you know, all that big thing. So they finally set it up, had some trouble setting it up or whatever. So the fight began. And then my mom got up to the kitchen to go get a glass of you know, water or soda or whatever. And then by the time that she came back, the fight was over. That happened a lot with Tyson fights. My dad did that once. He ordered a a Tyson pay-per-view. And by the time that dinner was even ready, the whole thing was over. Right, right. So, it, you know, I'm glad that it went the distance, I guess. But, you know, we'll we'll see what the future holds. I mean, I, I don't, I think it was a good thing. Um, I think the main event was everybody wanted to see a knockout. Let's just be honest. Oh yeah. <laughs> if Mike if Mike Tyson knocked out Roy Jones Jr., then everybody would say they got their money's worth. Yeah. But there wasn't a knockout. You know, going back to like the whole like early days of pay per view, um, I remember like when pay per view first started, there was uh we didn't even know this until it actually happened to us. And thankfully it happened during a movie, not like a, a wrestling or a boxing pay per view, but like in the very early days of pay-per-view, when you ordered it, if you changed the channel and went back, you lost it. And that happened to us once. We we ordered a movie, and somebody sat on the remote, and it changed the channel, and we never got it back. And we were out like the eight bucks the movie was. Can you imagine if that would have happened like back in the day during a Tyson fight or like a WrestleMania? Like that would suck, dude. Yeah, yeah. That would suck major. Would. Yeah. After that happened, up until they fixed it, where like you got you know you got the replay for like twenty four hours, um, we would always like order it and take the uh, batteries out of the controller for the rest of the night, <laughs> just to make sure That's that wouldn't smart. happen. Yeah, but you know it's just yeah it's just funny it's stuff they didn't think about when they first come up with the concept of pay per view, right? I do think it was stupid though for them to say, hey, if you change the channel, you lost it. They, but oh well. They fixed it. Everything's it's so much easier now, though, to get shit. Because, like, on the, the fight app, you know, since we ordered the, the pay-per-view, we have unlimited replays until February 28th. That's insane to think oh, wow. about. 
Yeah, because um, my mom was watching the stream with me, and she said that, uh, oh, well, um, this will be on Showtime, you know, after the fight, probably next week. I said, oh, no. I said, they don't do that anymore. This is not, <laughs> you know, this is not Showtime boxing where you can just wait a week. Yeah. And you see it on Showtime. Like, they, there's so many different streamers and stuff like that. Like, um, Jake Paul um, originally was fighting on Dazen, I think D A Z N. Oh yeah, that's what MLW's on. Yeah, that's what they were originally fighting on. That was the big, you know, move I guess for fighting. They're the ones that really started it because they had signed uh, some big name boxers to just appear solely on that platform. So, um, I don't know what the future will hold with. The streaming stuff, but I think it's going to be pretty good. It should be uh, should be interesting for sure. Um, I just uh, I just saw a news report pop up uh, just a few minutes ago, and I think this would be a great segue to jump into the uh, discussion about this. Uh, Tony Khan just tweeted out uh, maybe twenty minutes ago or so. Tony Khan tweeted this. He goes, "Quote." Thank you, great fans who made AEW Dynamite. Winter is coming. A huge success for AEW and TNT. We got our best demo rating of 2020, a new AEW champion, and indelible memory of Sting's arrival. Won the night. AEW, I mean, uh, 913,000. NXT, 658,000. End quote. So... That's great. I, uh, g- congratulations to AEW. Uh, congratulations to Stink, to Kenny, to Tony. And my biggest problem with this tweet is why the hell would you even have to mention the other company? But that's just their so the num- so so the numbers because were actually that's what in they the ever tweet. Do is bitch. Like even last week when NXT beat beat them in the ratings, they literally just bitched. And when someone even mentioned it to Jericho, Jericho goes, "We." Still won the demographic. Well, we all know who Jericho is probably building himself after with a statement like that. But um, I just I don't like the idea that Tony Khan's throw, throwing out the NXT uh, demo or number in that tweet. Just talk about your company and your success. You don't have to bring somebody else down to raise yourself up, right? I think that's mm-hmm. embarrassing. Let me let me be honest with you. I think it's, I think embarrassing. it's embarrassing that Kenny Omega's their champion. I think it's embarrassing. I, I I'll get to that in a second, but my whole different point is I think it's embarrassing from the fact that you didn't break a million. Has nothing to do with the tweet because that's their MO. I'm not surprised. I am surprised that you put the numbers in the tweet. But after I thought about it, as Kat was talking, then I said, you know, it's not no big deal. That's what they do. But I am embarrassed that you had all the momentum in the world. I actually watched it because of all of the hoopla that was going on So on the Internet. So I'm sure there's a lot of people on the West Coast that said, hey, I'm going to watch it, too. And you still didn't break a million? Well, you know, I was, I'm in that group that said, Hey, I'm going to watch it too. I'm on the West coast. I did not watch it on TNT. Um, I will admit that. Uh, so I am not part of that number, but like you, 
seeing everything that went down on Twitter last night while it was actually going on live on the East Coast. I saw a lot of that stuff. I said, man, you know what? Maybe I'm going to watch this. It, Sting's debut is what did it for me. It wasn't, uh, wasn't the main event outcome. It was Sting. Even though I saw the clip on Twitter, I still wanted to see the whole context of what led up to it. You know, I, I you know, starting with the beginning of the night, like when they had that Diamond Battle Royal, which I still don't understand why we're doing that. Dude, they love their gimmick Battle Royals over there, don't they? Yeah, I have no idea as to why, what that means, the, the Diamond Battle Royal. Um, I thought it was a whole catalyst for MJF to get over the first time that they did it um, because he was having people kiss his ring which is something that was what I was planning to do on the indie scene when I was a manager. And my, my character, um, Artemis Shannon Sinclair, and I was going to have, you know, my heel employee um, make them kiss my ring and do that at the end of every single match. So when they started doing that, I thought that was good. I didn't think it was executed the way that I personally saw it would be, but everybody's different just because I don't want to be a cornet and say it wasn't done this way. So it sucked. Um, but you know, I thought it was interesting, but for them to bring this back and then I saw the battle royal and how they built it. And, and, you know, we had Miro, um, AKA Rusev in the ring. And Miro looked like a million bucks. He had professional-looking tights. He was in the best shape I've ever seen him in. He just looked fantastic. And then you had everybody else. And it's like, you can tell guys who came from Vince compared to guys who didn't come from Vince. <laughs> and, yeah. and these lot. And a lot of these guys were like, there was literally a guy that had on a black mask with red accent and black pants. I have no what idea who he is. I have no idea who he is, what his name, like his name wasn't even on, on, on his tights. And then he was out of shape. He was a fat, skinny guy. <laughs> And it's like, I'm supposed to be interested in this. Why? So there was no stars made. Then I didn't get the rules at the end of it. Like, okay, MJF is going to face um, Orange Cassidy. Which didn't make any sense because I guess Orange Cassidy has a few with Miro going on. So Tony Khan made this comment. I don't know if you guys know about this. But they asked, why are you booking Miro this way? Oh, yeah. Oh, You're... Jesus. They said, why? They asked Tony that. Why are you booking him this way? So his response was, well, you know, it's too bad that Miro came in in the middle of the year. Because if this was the top of the year and our ranking system was started over, then he would be a much bigger impact. On the on the no pun intended, uh, on on the on the programming, but we have plans for him to be a major star. But it's better 
than the hell that they had him and the crap that they had him doing for the last four or five years in the WWE. I said, I can't believe you just said that. And I'm honestly going to call bullshit on that. Because I'm sorry to say, I would rather watch Rusev deal with Bobby Lashley and Lana than Miro crying over a game arcade getting kicked in. Does anybody remember a little thing called Rusev Day? Oh, man, I loved it. So you mean to tell me that that was crap? Exactly. When Rusev was the highest-ranking merchandise person over John Cena, and even John Cena was purposely pushing over Rusev Day. I I don't I don't know why we make these statements, but the whole thing is that he comes into AEW and you drop the ball. Miro should have won that. You booked him to be a monster. He was eliminating people left and right. You had this big face off with him and, and Wardlow, which I think is the most horrible name I've ever <laughs> thought of. Like I remember Jericho saying, well, what type of what type of wrestling name is Walter? What type of wrestling name is Wardlow? Yeah, no shit. What is a Wardlow? Exactly. Are you serious? Walter makes sense. Because if you look at him, he looks like a freaking Walter. <laughs> but what's a Wardlow? I, w- I would have called him the Swede, like from Heartbreak Ridge. But that's Brock Lesnar's gimmick. <laughs> I don't know what a Wardlow is, but I don't know. But you uh, know, if, Miro didn't even crack the the final four of that battle royal either. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand the booking for that because you say you give the fans what they want, right? Okay, well, you should have just had it. If you're building a, a a problem between Orange Cassidy and Miro, then you should have had those guys be the two final guys. You could have had it where MJF. And uh, his group, you know, they eliminated each other, you know, because or Sammy Guevara, like, got mad, went in the ring and then threw MJF out or something like you could have had that. And that would have they have a whole separate storyline going on. And then you could have made the Miro Orange Cassidy thing mean something. But no, we you know, we'll make him a monster and then we'll just throw him it would be different if he was a monster and there were other top talent in the Battle Royal. He was like, he just looked like a superstar compared to everyone else. That's just me. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, watching it last night, it was the, the first full episode of Dynamite that I watched, and I did not fast forward through any of it either. I watched like the whole thing. I hit play. I hid the oh, fucking remote. You, you, poor, you poor soul. I mean, I, I'll admit that, I mean... I didn't actively watch the entire thing. It was on. I passively watched some of it. If I got bored, you know, I'd grab the iPad, check out Twitter for a little bit, but I was still listening. I would look up. I'd watch it. Um, the whole uh, tag team match that led to Sting's debut and then the main event, I watched thoroughly. But um, during the Battle Royal, as soon as they opened up, they were like, yeah, we got this Battle Royal for the ring. I was like, ah, these guys in their gimmick Battle Royals. Rolled my eyes a little bit. There were some moments in it where I was like, eh, that's kind of cool. 
and I agree with you about Miro's look. The dude looked incredible. Best shape of his life. Uh, from a physical standpoint and from from like a, a, a standpoint of his attire, like you said, uh, uh, just everything about him, the aura of, of Miro in that match kind of... You put, you put Miro in a match with Darby Allen where somebody can bump for him? Yeah. I mean, it's going to make Darby Allen look like a million bucks and Miro look like a million bucks because imagine... He can take these horrendous-looking bumps, and he can sell for this guy like nobody's business. It'll kind of be a flashback to Mike Awesome versus Spike Dudley in ECW. <laughs> yeah. Spike Dudley made Mike Awesome look like a million bucks. A million bucks. And all he did, because it was about, can you beat, can, can little Spike Dudley beat Mike Awesome. And he would run into the ring and Mike Awesome would literally pick him up and throw him on the outside through a table. And he would get up again. He would pick him up throughout and throw him through. And the matches were very simply booked. But it was great. But again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing that you need to make things quality. And they just don't do that. They don't. They just just don't do that. Mm. Kat, um, how, how, how did you uh, take a, a look at the, the Battle Royal? If you, if you watched it, I'm assuming that you watched it. I didn't really watch it, um, but I I saw like little bits and pieces, and I saw a lot of things on Twitter. And first of all, even just hearing the title, the, the Battle Royal gave me a, a headache, you know, because I'm just like, you know, just the title alone of the freaking episode just made me go, I don't even want to watch this. Can we get it? Y'all are obsessed with Game of Thrones, but fucking knock it off because you're not Game of Thrones. Yeah, winter is coming. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and people want to say Great Balls of Fire was a shit name. Yeah. But when I saw that it was a battle royal and then it ended with MJF and Orange Cassidy and they're going to fight next week for a ring, I was like, what the fucking shit did I just read? Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like my intelligence was, like, insulted. I don't get the point. I don't get the point. I would love it, to get the just, point, but I don't get it. it. It's exactly like their casino battle royal shit. Like, I remember when they they first had their pay-per-views and everything, like, Jeff and I tried watching it, and we tried watching the very first pay, uh, battle royal thing. And Jeff goes, what the f- fuck is this? Because <laughs> he's just like, none of this makes sense. Randomly, well, you've got all these guys fighting, and then you've got like an entire group of guys coming into the ring, and then it's like, wait, what? What the? What well, it's the, the it's it's the indie mind state because the thing is, and and uh, Wade, I'm sure you know this. On the indie level, nothing draws these indie shows like a good old fashioned battle royal. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe a midgets match. <laughs> But I, I mean, I, I haven't seen a midgets match live. But, um, <laughs> but to pop like, 
I've every card I've worked had a battle royal, and the fans love it. They love it from because they love it because they've seen it on TV for so long, and now you get to actually see this live. It's yeah. just it just is the it's, people pop for that, especially if you do a Royal so, Rumble style. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, is that if you have a, a good storyline, um, because every single um, and this is like behind the curtain type thing. Every single battle royal I've been in has had a dusty finish. Every single one. So, because it's had a dusty finish, it just made it just the fans pop even more so. Um, but the whole the whole thing is like AEW is in this indie mind state, and it's like let's do a battle royal because they know when they would do it, you know, on the indie scene, it would pop the fans. We got to do something better than that. And, you know, we gave a lot of attention to this Battle Royal. <laughs> I want to move on to the meat and potatoes of the show. Well, <laughs> I, 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 real quick, I want to kind of bridge off of something that you said uh, that, that really stuck out when you said that, you know, they're they're with the the indie mindset, you can't be doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Uh, a year ago, they definitely, it was without a shadow of a doubt, you could watch the show and you could definitely see the indie mindset. I think over the course of the year, I think I think they have made some improvements in certain areas. I, watching last night, the first half of the show came off very very indie, um, but the second half, um, the tag match with you know Cody and Darby Allen and whatnot, and then the main event, I thought was leaps and bounds ahead of what they were doing a year ago. It felt like a big fight night. It didn't feel like a normal piece of television. Both of those matches felt like they were. Uh, pay-per-view caliber, in my opinion. And both of them had WWE guys in them. They did, yes. Mm-hmm. They did. So that's 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 pretty much how that works. Yeah. Exactly. Your, your, your best stuff is going to have ex-WWE guys in it. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me a match that AEW has had that makes people... I guess you can argue, you know, uh, they had the, the tag team match a long time ago. Well, actually... I didn't like, I don't know if you saw this backstage segment, but there was a segment where they were interviewing the Young Bucks, right? Oh, geez, yeah. And, they, and then they were like, well, you know, we just got done, you know, uh, a few weeks ago being FTR and what people are saying, the best tag team match they've seen in the last five years. And I'm like, <sighs> I shook my head though when they when they acknowledged the fact that they had super kicked the guy interviewing them a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, that's that indie mind state. Hey, the super kick party's over. Why don't we just talk about it all the time? But I mean, just I mean, more than that, just the uh, fact that, like the guys interviewing them, they're like, "Hey, remember when we kicked you a couple weeks ago?" Like, as a man, if like somebody did that, I would I would knock them out. I'd be like, "Fuck you! You're not going to bring that shit up on live television." And don't you think that, you know, the guy would be a little fearful that you're going to do it again? Yeah. But it's like, he was like, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> so tell us about the upcoming match you had. With... I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, uh, I don't know. I don't I, I have my hand on my head because I just don't understand the mind state of a lot of stuff. But um Let's get to the meat and potatoes, please. Please, let's get to the meat. I'm assu- I'm assuming that you're talking about a man called, you know, who, right? 
Or are yes. you talking? Or are you talking about the main? No, I'm not talking about the main yet. I'm talking about the the man. You know, can I just go on a little rant here real quick before? Because I'm going to hear what Cat has to say. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, I just have to go do a little it. rant. Just a little rant. Okay. Uh, the only thing I ask is uh, no, uh, no, no in bombs because we're live on Twitch. <laughs> oh, okay. No in bombs. Okay. So this is this is so this is this is my. <laughs> This is my thought process, right? So I'm sitting and I am actually putting up Christmas lights. And I'm making sure that the timers and stuff are all okay in the house. Because in my house, it's like the Griswolds. Like, it's a lot of stuff up. I got inflatables. I got flashing lights. I got, you know, raindrop icicles. I got everything that you can possibly think of in my house. I've just done that since I was a little kid. I grew up on it. It's kind of like a family tradition. Anyway, as that's going on, I get a text message from the webmaster. The webmaster says, sting. <laughs> that's all it said. Did it's a blade? <laughs> that's, all, that's, all, that's all it said was sting capitalized letters four exclamation marks sting so then I look and it says sting is all elite so I go oh so my response to the webmaster at that point in time was you have my attention this should be very very interesting so I don't have AW taped. I took it off my DVR a while ago. So I go up and I record it to see it live, to see how it comes off. And I read about it. I saw a clip on Twitter and I said, no, I need to see the whole thing, how it comes off. And I'm kind of hyped about this because I absolutely positively love Sting. Not how Blade loves Sting, <laughs> but I love Sting. <laughs> Yeah, you're not gonna cream right? your pants talking to the guy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Not not to that level. Not to you know, not to like how he loves the Undertaker level as well too. I'm not there either. But what I'm what I'm saying is that I'm sitting there and I'm you know I'm like oh okay I can't wait to see it, and then I see something that slaps me upside my head. And before I get to what that tweet is, I said, you know what? Let me look up something. So I look up The Undertaker. I go on, my, on the interwebs and I go on my cell phone and I type in Undertaker, Mark Calloway. Boom, pops up. Retired June of 2020. I'm like, I don't know if he retired June of 2020, but okay. And then it said The Undertaker's age was 55. I said, oh, wow. 55 years old. That's a good age to, to call it quits. He's a legal senior citizen now. Yeah, you know, uh, card-carrying AARP member. Yeah, All right. yeah. Cool. And there's no disrespect to Undertaker. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to a certain age and they invite you to AARP. You can be in senior communities and all that. That's just how it is. We're all going to get to it. Mm -hmm. That's just how it is, right? So I'm like, huh. So then I see the tweet. And it just hits me upside my head. 
and all my excitement goes down the drain very, very fast. And the tweet says, we signed Sting to a multi-year contract here in AEW. They immediately start putting out merchandise and all of that. And connected to that tweet was a guy that said, I don't know why you're so excited about Sting signing a multi-year contract because at the end of the contract, he's going to be 63 years old. I said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. 63 years old? How old is Sting? 61. So then I go, go on the interwebs and then I see that Sting is 61 years old. So I said to myself, what is a 61-year-old man going to do against a 20-something in a league that is supposed to be about changing the way wrestling is? And my excitement went down rant over. I'm going to bounce off of yours because, exactly, as you said, 61 years old. Literally, I messaged my boyfriend because he was at work, and I told him, and I sent him the video of Sting's debut. And we're talking about it because we didn't watch AEW, but we sat there and started talking about it. And I literally just, he and I had a whole massive discussion about it. And I was like... I can't get behind it and can't get excited for it because I'm sorry to say, for me, it feels like Cody is trying so hard to be dusty. And boy, you're not your fucking dad. Let it go. Stop holding on to this dream that you think you're going to insulin become your daddy. Because you don't have his charisma, you don't have his wrestling ability, you fucking suck. And fix that ugly-ass tattoo on your goddamn neck. Yeah, that's an ugly tattoo. <laughs> yeah. That's an ugly tattoo. <laughs> Did he get Literally, that done in Sturgis? <laughs> that's an ugly tattoo. It's so ugly that Brandy Rhodes says that she didn't like it. And she, <laughs> she said that multiple times on camera. Yeah, yeah she didn't like it. And said she got pissed off at him. Yeah, it's really, it's really bad. Hey, you know, if you, you know, when you go to like Disneyland or Disney World, they got like the hidden Mickey's all over the place. You try, got to try to find them. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but on every single tattoo that both Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho have, there's a hidden Donald Trump in there somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's just like he and I had the whole discussion, and we started talking about the fact that you know Undertaker has now retired. You but know, we don't want but but this is the difference. We don't really want him to. No. We don't want him to, but it's good for him. It's good but for like, him, right. Yeah. We we were literally talking about everything and like he turned to me, he goes, So he goes, Sting can't wrestle anymore. He goes, Is Sting gonna wrestle in this? I'm like, obviously if he signed a multi year contract. Well and this goes, is what it's this is what it said. Let me cut you off. This is what it said about that, right? I read that late last night, like around one o'clock, Dave Meltzer put something. So they said that first off, and then I'd love to hear your take, Webmaster. It's first off, 
Sting is going to be on TV every single week. That's the first thing that they said. That he's going to be on TV every single week. That's the first thing. Second thing they said is that he's going to be in a role where he gets physical, but he's not going to wrestle. Again, he gets physical, but he's not going to wrestle. Bullshit. And I'm definitely not going to take the word out of, you know, Mr. I want to jack off to Kenny Omega. <laughs> Dave Meltzer. I thought yeah. Kat... I thought I was the most controversial figure. I think Cat is. Yeah, Cat's definitely getting there. Those claws are coming out. Uh, I can't stand Dave Meltzer and his obsession with Kenny Omega. Um, you know, but legit, like we had a whole discuss. Like I said, we had a whole discussion on it, and I literally just went, "This right here is why." I I literally just went. I can't do it. Another thing that, for me personally, that kind of bugged me, did they do any tribute to Pat Patterson? Actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because JR mentioned in a commentary. Very quickly. Yeah, he brought it up and it was very somber. You could tell it was very genuine, but in typical Tony Schiavone fashion about guys that are like hardcore WWE guys like Gorilla Monsoon was when he passed and Bobby Heenan wanted to do his tribute. He dismissed it so fucking fast. It was sad. I picked up on that right away. See, that pissed me off. And see, it's like, I don't care if Pat Patterson was part of WWE or not. Respect the fucking man because he made history. Yeah, both well, in, in, in and out of and, the ring, too. Yeah, and I know that one person that also mentioned him because I watched the promo was Mox. You know, that Mox mentioned him in his promo. He did. What did he say? I did not see that. He sat there and said, you're going to go hit a home run. This one's for you, Pat. Right on. That's cool. Because because Pat would always tell him, you're going to go hit a home run. Because I had watched Renee's Twitch where Renee was watching AEW and having people watch along, you know, talk with her as she was watching along with it, you know? And, oh God. and yeah. Don't get me started. On so, it, it's okay, Max. She, she's allowed to do uh, live streams. She's not under contract. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I was just like laughing and I was in there telling Jeff, I was like, that to me is the biggest slap in the face you could do to anybody. Is in the end, respect a wrestler for being a wrestler. Doesn't matter what company he came from, doesn't matter what company he worked for. Respect somebody. Well, they did a bigger thing for Shad Gaspard. When he when they he did. passed, and then, they, then for and Pat Patterson, and then they had Matt Hardy try and drown a couple of days later. Yeah, you know. But then again, you know, they did the same thing for you know the Fiend versus uh, Bray uh, Fiend versus Bray Wyatt. <laughs> watch them, watch mom, them try man. to watch them. Watch them try to book that like two years from now. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Braun Strowman and like he literally drowned. Like we didn't see. He never came up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely done yeah. a poor taste as well. And I, I was that vocal was, about both of those incidents. Yeah, AEW, you know, is like, okay, is AEW. I don't have a high bar of expectation for them. But the WWE, I definitely do. Yeah. Because right. they, they, they have a lot of experience, unfortunately, with death and with doing things that are offensive. Like, for, for instance, uh, JBL in a house show doing the Nazi step or whatever oh, they call man. it. Yeah, the goose step. Um, oh, the goose step. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, they they have a lot of experience with that. Like Alicia Fox, you know, getting on the mic and just dropping the f bomb over and over and over again when she was doing the whole "I'm crazy" gimmick. Or um, uh, Vance approaching John Cena, asking how he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right with Booker T standing there afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, but that, you know, I, that was important. But I definitely want to get your take, though. How did you feel about the man they call Sting? Well, it's like, go ahead, Wade. No, you go. It's like, am I happy that, you know, Sting showed up? Sure. But here's my whole thing is they've been predict- they've been like claiming it for weeks and hinting at it for weeks that literally like wait I think you might remember this like we were making a joke what are they gonna do bring out Sting so to me it's like the the shock value of it was just like huh okay whatever like I wasn't excited because I was like. It was so predictable to me that I was just like, I was over it. What did you think, Wayne? Well, for me, I kind of have to preface what I'm about to say with uh, something I was talking to DA about the night of Survivor Series. Um, When The Undertaker came out of Survivor Series, I had this, this feeling and it's been a long time since I've had this feeling. And that is an excitement that it's hard to explain about the unknown, about what's going to happen, about what you hope is going to happen, what you think is going to happen, all that stuff when this Undertaker was giving his farewell. And he started right. making his way to the back. And as he's walking up the ramp, that excitement level was just rising. It was just non-stop just continuously going forward and i kept hoping myself i said man max said it on the podcast if undertaker closes out this show there's a high high probability that they're going to gimmick this up and it's not going to be as farewell and i started thinking if they're ever going to do this it has to be now and that no, Sting never. Undertaker. I kept thinking to myself, and the camera angles where they were showing Undertaker from behind, but low angle shot where you can see the Titan Tron. I'm like, dude, if they do this and they all of a sudden you see Sting sitting up there like he's in the rafters staring down at the Undertaker, and Undertaker sees him and they lock eyes and then they fade to black. Oh my God. And I started to realize that the last time that I had that level of excitement, and this is going to shock you guys, okay? Mm-hmm. The last time that I felt that giddy 
if I had to compare it to anything, it's probably like a teenage girl backstage at a Backstreet Boys con- concert before she gets a train <laughs> ran on her. That's wow. how I felt. I'm like, wow. holy crap, they're going to do this. They're going to do this, man. And the Undertaker walked to the back and they faded to black. And it, it, I told DA, I said, I will never have that feeling again. The last time that I had that feeling was heading into Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. It's almost 11 years since I've had that feeling. I had that at Survivor Series and immediately went away as soon as I saw the logo go up in the bottom corner and they faded to black. It went away. Well, well let me let me just sidebar that. On the last podcast, I did say that if The Undertaker came on last, that it was going to be a build-up for a storyline. He wasn't done, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I said. Yeah. Um, I still stand behind that. Okay. And the reason why I still stand behind that is because The Undertaker is not going to say goodbye to a bunch of screens. He's going to say goodbye to a live audience. I think that that was the end of The Undertaker's in-ring career. But that's not the end of The Undertaker. I think that we're going to see him when when it's allowed to have crowds back in a big arena. We're going to see The Undertaker. And we're going to give him his, his flowers while he's here. Yeah. But... As far as, you know, this being built towards a storyline, I thought that that would happen that night, but it just was so poorly done to send him off that way. And Vince knows this. Um, the Godfather was answering people on Twitter. And they were saying, well, you know, why did they bring all you guys out and then say anything? He said, I don't know. He said, well, I would think after 30 years that they would do something better for them. I agree. This is what he was saying. So it was not the grandioso send-off that I think that you're going to give this character. It's not that. I just think that that signified the end of The Undertaker in the wrestling ring wrestling as we know it but it's not the end of him but i had that what you said though i had that in the back of my head while that was going on while he was walking in the back and i had that feeling and it went away but last night when i saw the tweet when i saw the video clip of sting showing up i'm not going to say that it was the same level of excitement but it was damn near that I marked out. I popped. I almost fell out of my chair. I was excited. I The initial pop coming out of my room when I saw that clip was insane. And it, it had been over a decade since I had anything near that. But then I started thinking. And I'm not, I'm not going to try to downplay the debut or what's to come. Because with all due respect to Sting, right? Sting's right. an amazing icon in this business. Everything Absolutely. he does is going to be great. Um, yes. I'm going to hold my judgment on 
what his involvement in AEW is until we get a few weeks in and kind of get a feel for it. But the nostalgia in me, the wrestling historian in me got excited because I started thinking about a lot of different things. And it wasn't necessarily about, oh, man, is this is this where they're going to go with Sting? Is this what they're going to do with Sting? It was more the fact of this, that it was Sting walking out on a wrestling program on TNT with Tony Schiavone's voice saying, it's Sting. That bugged me. That did not bug me. I almost got to blade-like levels. <laughs> it... it, it bugged me because it was so over the top like he was trying to do like what jr used to do in wwe how was it over the top when that's when he did in wcw when sting would come out though it to me it just like the minute i i heard it i was just like oh my god like really like yeah it's great it's sting but and when he's like it's 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 i'm like dude just spit it out already I like felt like I was 14 years old again. I'm not kidding. It well, felt that nostalgic. I, I understand. See, I understand both points of view because I understand Kat's point of view from the standpoint of we're in the year 2020. And, you know, we don't really, like, you can't have JR-type calls now. You know, Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone exactly. Cold! Yeah, like you can't that, really that, have that, that was anymore. What was bugging me about? I get that. Po- I get that point of view, oh. but I also, but I also get Wade's point of view, which was, this is nostalgic. So there's no way that you can say this man's name, unless it's like the old school way, that you would say it on WCW television. So. I think that entire moment was just built for old school fans. Well, give a damn about they oh, give yeah. a damn about the new generation of and, these fans. They're, they they want to make TNT happy. Yeah, it was. Then it was instantly. Let's talk about WCW, and I'm like, really? Well, for me, I one I didn't even pick up on like any anything like you guys were talking about of like a JR type of moment like coming out of Shivani. I didn't I didn't even think about that. Um, Thinking back about how it came off, I still can't see where he was trying to do that. I just figure it was him doing what he usually did when Sting would come out. It wasn't a big call thing. Like you said, you can't say Sting's name any other way, especially with a grand debut like that. And this situation is a lot different. This is extremely unique because this isn't just like, like Goldberg coming back and fighting Lesnar. You know what I mean? Like it's not like that was right. a pop, but it wasn't like this kind of pop. This was like right. the planets align kind of thing. It's sting. It's Tony Schiavone. It's TNT. It's almost been 20 years since right. that has all happened. So right. it's not like it's only been all, you know, it's been what 13 years since we saw Goldberg perform and he's going up against Lesnar. And I'm bringing up Goldberg a lot because that's the biggest comparison a lot of people have been making over the last 24 hours is, oh, people got excited for Goldberg, but, uh, and, and it sucked because he was old, but Sting is older, and it's great. But it's 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 two different animals, man. It Like yeah. I said, you, you factor everything into that because a lot of people have been saying that AEW is the new WCW. So you even factor yes. that into the whole mix, too, and it's like you've got the whole thing now. You got the guys that used to produce WCW, produce an AEW as far as a technical side. 
because they hired well, a lot the, of those camera guys and production guys, right? Well, that's the thing that a lot of people don't look at, which is the business side of everything. Yeah. You know, TNT is, is, is running the show and calling the shots. So they're – remember when, when AEW started, then Tony Khan was sending so many hard shots towards Bischoff. Oh, well, WCW, we're definitely not going to run it how they ran it into the ground. You know, so many hard shots. And then something happened. I don't know if it's because Bischoff is still in, quote, unquote, Hollywood and, and producing things or trying to get things produced or whatever. But something happened literally overnight where Tony Khan apologized to him mm. and said that if it wasn't for you and your success with WCW, then I wouldn't have been able to pitch this show the way that I was able to pitch it, to have TNT accept it. So I think TNT said, hey, look, in order for this to be popular, we need to bring in stars that people know. Because if you look at what, the, look at how many people they brought in this year. Oh, yeah. How many, how many mm-hmm. ex-WWE guys that they brought in? Which again, I don't know where Zack Ryder was. I didn't see him last night. Did anybody see Zack Ryder last night? You know what's funny? Nope. I thought that was Zack Ryder coming out to the ring when Orange Cassidy was uh, celebrating, you know, uh, when him and MJF were the last two in the Battle Royal. And then I realized that ain't fucking Zack Ryder. That's, uh, I don't even know the name, but it's like the best friends or some shit like that, right? Like, that's one of yeah, those well, guys. One of- Chuck D, yeah, well, Chucky e. T, and uh, I can't remember the other Tr- guys. Trent right Beretta. Yeah, yeah Trent well, the thing is, like, I don't even care who their names are. I just I thought that was like I thought one of them was fucking Zack Ryder, and I was like, wait a minute, that's no, not Zack. Zack Ryder's up Cody's ass. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't see him last night. But what I'm saying nope. is that, but what I'm saying is that, like, I haven't he, I haven't even seen him since like he had his one match with. The guys that when they took out Cody and Cody went off, you know, was written off to go film his stuff. Dude, that was like in the summertime, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the only time I've seen him. I haven't seen, I have not seen anything where he's on there since. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I just didn't enjoy. Um, well, let me go back because I was, I was making a point. Let me go back to my point. My point is this from the business side of everything that. TNT has a lot of influence on AEW. Don't sit up there and think that these guys are coming up with these ideas on their own and saying, hey, let's bring in Jake the Snake Roberts. Hey, let's bring in Arn Anderson. Hey, let's bring back Tony Schiavone. Hey, let's let's bring in Sting. Hey, let's get in Miro. They're not coming up with these ideas on their own. There's influence from TNT, and you can't tell me that there isn't because the WWE had to deal with that same type of influence. They're dealing with it to this day with Fox saying, hey, you know what? It would be nice if we had The Fiend when we opened SmackDown. Hey, it'd be nice if Lesnar wrestled on SmackDown on the opening. Hey, it would be, you know, like they had a lot of influence, even back to the Sci-Fi Channel. When yeah. ECW is on there. Hey, we need more Sci-Fi characters. Okay, we'll have the Sandman face a zombie. Well, during the Monday Night Wars, remember USA had uh, some say. Remember they almost kicked them off the network for the uh, the um, the political speech thing. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the ratings yeah. spiked, and they said, "You know what? Screw it. Forget what we said. We want more of it." Right. So 
the whole thing is that TNT has a lot of influence on these people. Yeah. I mean, they brought back Eric Bischoff on TV twice. Well, I saw Eric Bischoff. He kind of threw his two cents in about the whole Sting debut and uh, kind of gave it his blessing and, and gave him praise for it. Which he said, to bring context to that, he said that both the WWE and AEW need to figure out how to grow their fans. So he feels that by bringing Sting in, there's going to grow their fan base. I think that there's going to be more eyes on AEW now because of Sting. That's the whole reason for signing him, is that just his image alone is going to bring viewership. That's what they did with freaking TNA. Yep, with the same guy. They, they put Kurt Angle, Sting, and Hulk Hogan on all the posters and billboards to get people to watch TNA. Especially when Angle signed. Right. It was like, that was his show. You know, like you could see Kurt Angle here. I think Kurt Angle signing, by the way, Kurt Angle signing with TNA, I think that still has not been in terms of somebody jumping ship. You, you, you kind of you cut out very uh, second there. Okay, I don't think. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think that. I don't think that Kurt Angle joining TNA has been topped. Okay. In terms of somebody jumping ship, I don't think John Moxley reached that level. I don't think Sting even reached that level. That was just so unexpected that nobody said there was no rumors about it. He just showed up. He just showed up. I don't think, uh, you know, nothing tops that in terms of the you know the last what ten fifteen years of wrestling, in my opinion. I mean, my, my memory may be a little shady, but I don't even think they announced that they had released Angle that summer, did they? WWE. Um, like, they said that he was taking time off to re- recuperate his injuries. Yeah, that was the whole thing, was they said that he was taking time off. They never announced that he was let go. Yeah, because they said he had a yeah, multitude of neck injuries, and then he also had a substance problem, substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was the whole thing, like, at the time, was like, oh, I thought he had a substance problem. How's he going to wrestle? So, yeah. yeah, so so that was, there's nothing that's topped that to this day. And I think, like, as you guys are saying, like, the TNT influence of, like, holding on to WCW stuff is kind of what turns me away from AEW. Because it's like, yeah, you know, I understand, like, the nostalgia aspect. But after so long, I'm like, it's been 20 years. I don't really care to to relive nostalgia. I do. Well, <laughs> I well, know I do. Well, I, well, I put it like this because we, you know, we we bash the hell out of AEW a lot, but I will give them credit on this part with Sting. The visual of the snow falling on Sting when he was walking to the ring was brilliant yeah it was brilliant his theme music not the best iteration of theme music that he's ever had but it's one of the better themes in aew oh dude i'll tell you this when i heard his music i popped for that as well because it was 
as close as you can get to the authentic WCW version of it, not the bullshit that WWE gave them. Right. I hated that that theme that WWE gave them. It just didn't go with them. Right. But as far as like now, if we're going to compare, and I would love to move on to the main after this because we talk about this all day. If we're <laughs> going to com- if we're going to compare debuts from his debut at Survivor Series to his debut in AEW, to me, the Survivor Series debut was loads and light years better than the AEW debut. And this is why. Most definitely. This is why, in my opinion. It was expected that he was going to debut. It was rumored that he was going to debut. But the way that he debuted was in a high-stakes matchup where they had built this thing, like, brilliantly. Where it was the 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 um the corporate whatever the hell they called themselves at the time the authority versus the authority the, yes the WWE pretty much right 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 and it was like there's no way that the WWE guy is going to win Dolph Ziggler's out in the middle of the ring here comes Triple H and oh here he comes bringing the the crooked referee so it was a major moment that changed the tide of the WWE and its storylines and it was at the top of the card it was the main event and that face to face with Triple H to me sent more shocks and chills down my spine than his face to face with anybody he had in AEW so only because of that where he was involved in, what storyline he was involved in, that's what made me like it better on Survivor Series because you put him in the main. It was like, okay, well, Sting is here. Okay, main event time. Well, wait a minute. We just had Sting just come out and just shock the world. We should have faded to black, and we should have said, we'll see you next week. But no, we had a whole main event to, to, to have. But the aftermath of the main event, where would you yes. have put that with consideration to if you would have closed out with Sting? Would the ending have had an, the impact that it did if it didn't close out the show? But we'll get into that in a minute well, because we got to talk about the actual main event match itself, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega challenging John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. I still don't like their title belt. I think it's just gaudy as fuck. Um, I don't like it. Either. It is just way overdone, man. Like, it's. I don't like any of their titles. Their their the, women's their title tag... looks like a fuck. It looks like a toy. Their tag team championship. It really does. They look like the not the one that they chose, but the one that they threw away <laughs> before they got to the final iteration of the titles in the nineties in the WWF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, tri- and and trio championships too are coming soon. Tony Khan said, by the way, trio. Yep, trio. Because they want to be like R O H. 
No, they want to be about they want to be like WCW because WCW had the trios championship and Dustin and I forgot I think Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and I'm forgetting who else. They were trio champions. Oh, so it's like six man tag champs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I don't know why when you say trios, I don't know why my mind went to like the champion of triple threat matches or something. <laughs> it would be unique, but hey, that's the whole well, thing that WCW did for a while. Yeah, there's a. I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard of uh, of this name here, Mac. But here on you know in California, Billy Blade. He, uh, you know, his promotion used to be called Vendetta Pro. He had a championship called the Triforce mm-hmm. Championship, and it was just only uh, defended in triple threat matches, which I thought was a very unique and exciting concept to have for a promotion. I think that's a great concept. Yeah, especially calling it, the, especially calling it the Triforce Championship, kind of get the gamer thing in there. Yes, that's a great because that's you know the most you, you can argue that he, that person is is. Almost as elevated as the world champion. Yeah, because he's beating because two people, in the, you know, every time. Right, right. It's a high stakes championship. If it changes hands a lot, then it makes sense as to why, because you're facing two other people every single day. Kind of like the twenty four seven championship, where you got like the entire locker room as your comp- competition. Right, and every <laughs> media personality. You but, know what, dude? I want me, I want a shot at that twenty four. I'll tell you what, our truth. If you're listening to this, he's the champion, right? Our truth. If you're mm-hmm. never, never mind. If not, he's going to be in the next five minutes. Yeah, he. You know, his <laughs> title runs are going to match Sting's age pretty soon. <laughs> he's already at close to fifty. See what I mean? Yeah, well, he's bad. almost touching Undertaker's age. <laughs> he's hitting our truth's age. <laughs> But uh, let me let me set up, let me set this up the main let me set this up okay then we have Kenny Omega we have uh, John Moxley um, I don't know if anyone knows about this but they were mentioning on commentary that they had a gentleman's agreement does anybody know what that was I'm assuming it's where they don't touch each other until the match right mm, I, I don't because they had was screaming during commentary well they had a gentleman's agreement. I've heard so of I don't a gentleman's club, but I never heard of a gentleman's agreement. The, the I've, gentleman's I've been. agreement was, was exactly what Max Cat said. Worked it in was one. the fact that no, he it was that they wouldn't touch each other before the match. And that's kind of why when they did a promo talking about the match, when Mox revealed Renee was pregnant, and then Mox got randomly taken out by somebody in the in the time of about to do the contract signing. Hmm. Well, I, this is news to me because the only, you know, gentleman's, you know, agreement that I had is paid a chick $20 to dance on. But what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, um, you have these two guys in the ring. They're going to face each other. Now, this is something I have said for a very long time. I think I've said this on the show before that John Moxley needed to lose eventually and that uh, Kenny Omega needed to be in a main event singles run. That's what I said multiple What was your thought on the main event? I thought it was crap. And my reasoning is I don't think Kenny Omega deserves to be in a main event thing. I think Kenny Omega is a fucking joke. 
and he's overrated. To me, it felt like an insult that you chose out of all these people that Mox could have dropped the belt to and put over to build your company. You gave it to one of your executives. You're once again showing that your company is all about your executives, which is Cody, Kenny, Hangman, and the Young Bucks, and Brandy. So to me, it it just irritated me so much that you had him drop the title belt to Kenny, of all people. I I never got the you know big hoopla of Kenny in New Japan to me. I'm sorry, honey. You can't shine Finn Balor and AJ Styles boots on being the best leader of Bullet Club. It's like so, to me, Kenny's always been a joke. Webmaster, what did you think? Of the match or the outcome or what? Just let, let's just talk about the match right now. All right, just the match. Cat didn't like it. I'm um, not a fan of Kenny Omega. I'm not. Understand that. I'm not like I'm not a major fan of Kenny Omega. Um, his in ring work I respect. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously for for many reasons. One, the biggest one of all, I can never fucking do what he does. So. I mean, who would I be to shit on his entering work? Um, I I do feel that I would be qualified to you know give a, a fair critique about his uh, his promos, his uh, his facial expressions, shit like that. I think I'm qualified to do that. I have a degree on my wall in communications, mass media studies. It fucking says that. Um, I think he needs a little bit of work on that kind of stuff. the The match itself was fine. Um, did I feel like it was like a huge, huge championship match? Kind of. Um, I thought that it was, uh, I thought it was paced out pretty well. Um, when I think of Kenny Omega, I think of what a lot of other people have said in the past about him and his matches and clips that I've seen. And I, I immediately think of this high flying spot monkey guy that just does stuff out of order just to get a pop. And I know that, that, that is a very old way of thinking of Kenny Omega compared to what he's done in the last year, two years. And last night I did not see that out of Kenny Omega. I saw Kenny Omega work a match with John Moxley where they started out fairly slow and they worked their way up through a series of sequences to a spot. And then they, reset and they work their way up through a series of sequences into a spot and reset. And that's the way you do it. Right. You work your way up to a higher spot each time. And that's what I saw last night when it came to the finish. I thought that was very well done. Uh, the way that commentary had put over that Don Callis was like an uncle to Kenny Omega because of the history that they had. So when they did the injury spot and Don Callis ran from the commentary booth, I thought it made sense in two fronts. One, it made sense into how they played out their relationship and commentary. And second, 
Don Callis is not an AEW guy. He's not part of their crew. He's Impact. He was a guest commentator, so he was freely allowed to leave the commentary booth without it looking suspicious like something was going to happen. So that created the excitement of when, when it hit the fan with what happened. It was like, holy shit, did not see that coming, and I got excited for that. I was excited for AEW. Watching this match, watching the outcome, and they've got me wondering what the hell is going to happen. And I'm going to tune in Tuesday night to Impact, and we'll see what they do on Impact Tuesday night to see if they're going to make me want to watch Wednesday next week. That's my thoughts on that. Well, as I always say about AEW, it's about execution and refinement. And I think they tip their hat too much. Um, the match itself, you know, I didn't watch it closely, but I respect Kenny Omega. I don't like the character of Kenny Omega in terms of what his gimmick is, because I don't know what it is. I don't know what the cleaner means. I don't get that. Um, but the first time I ever saw him was his match against Jericho. The first time they faced each other in and I never saw Kenny Omega in my life. I didn't know who he was. And Jericho was working a very uh, WWF attitude type style that man. Um, flipping the fans off, grabbing cameras like old school, like The Rock used to do. Um, you know, like very physical. I thought it was a great match. And that was my first impression of Kenny Omega. And I said, okay, well, he can go. I just don't really, I don't get his gimmick. I just don't. I don't think he has one. It's Kenny Omega. That's with a lot of the guys in AEW. They built up a name and that's their gimmick is their name. Um, Or a move that they do. You know, there's not even really a lot of catchphrases that they have in AEW of any. Um, but when they showed Don Callis and he was doing commentary, I said, okay, now wait a minute. Why are you having a guy that everyone knows, because AEW is supposed to be like the Mark territory, right? Where everybody knows shit in AEW that are fan, the hardcore, the hardcore. So everybody knows that Don Callis is basically running Impact. Everybody knows that. Him and Scott Demore, they, they get that. So you put him on commentary and then you have him talk about his relationship with Kenny and how this is a really big match for him. Okay, I I, I can buy that. But then he gets up. They do an injury spot, which I don't think that was very well done uh, in terms of, you know, him doing the... um, paradigm shift to Kenny Omega and you know the referees check on him I think they could have did you know maybe a table spot maybe he could have uh, broke the fourth wall and had him do a very protected chair shot to his head not a Cody Rhodes type but something <laughs> some, something you know what I'm saying like something that would make you go oh my god is he really hurt um so Don Callis comes over there. He gets in the ring. 
after, you know, John Moxley picks him up and starts punching him. Says he's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt. Passes the microphone to him. And then Kenny Omega hits him in the head with him. And does the, the one one arm angel and, you know, one, two, three, everybody knows what happened. When it comes to execution, it wasn't executed well. Just imagine, let's let's just let's just for a second change up everything. Let's have that spot where Kenny Omega's hurt in the middle of the ring, and let's really build it up. I'm talking about build it up like how when mankind was thrown off of the top of the hell in a cell and Terry Funk came out. Like, let's really build this thing up that Kenny's hurt and have Tony come out and the Bucks come out and everybody come out. Make this look like a serious thing that he's really hurt. And as his back is turned, two masked figures jump from the crowd, get into the ring, do their finishing maneuver, leave, and then get under the apron. Kenny then sees it, stops his injury being fake, picks up John Moxley, and then hits one winged angle, angel, one, two, three, right? He's celebrating Kenny Omega, and then as he's celebrating, the two masked men come from under the ring, and they pull their mask off, and who are they? The Good Brothers. Hmm. I like that. So, so now everybody's saying, wait a minute. What are they doing here? This is the TNA Tag Team Champion. They said they didn't want to sign AEW. Why are they here? What's going on? So then, as this is happening, just like in any... Back in the day, they had this incident with XPW invading ECW. And that was a shoot. And there was a real fight. Real fight between these guys. Okay. Have guys come out and try to fight these dudes. Like when they had um, Big Kaz and Enzo at the end of that event, Ring, Ring of Honor event in, in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And they made it seem real. Make this seem real. Bring guys out. Have them beat guys up. And as they're walking to the back, then... You see the car that was standing there, which I thought it was stupid how they did. This is this is what I think was stupid. They're walking towards, they're running towards the back. Don Callis and and and, and Kenny Omega, as they're running towards the back, you see all of the guys on the side in mask in a row, screaming at them something. And then they keep running and running, and then all of a sudden, from the shadows, the commentator, backstage announcer, comes out of the shadows somewhere. It's like he was waiting in the parking lot this entire time. Just jumps out. Hey, what are you guys doing? So you mean to tell me that you were, it's 40 degrees because you were putting over and it was cold that night. So you just happened to be outside with a microphone behind a, the production truck during the main event of the night, ready to just interview whoever comes by. I thought that was stupid. But in my scenario, have them run towards the car Don Callis jumps out the car, opens the back door, lets them into the car. He gets in with them. The car speeds off. There's no watch impact. 
There's no tune into Tuesday nights. There's none of that. Because now you're going to automatically watch Impact because you don't know what the heck just happened. You're going to automatically watch it. Execution and refinement. There's ways to make this better. It was executed pretty good for AEW standard. Um, Tony Khan really has to work on him being upset. This guy is taking your championship. Remember when CM Punk left as yeah. the champion? Yeah, I do. And Vince got on the microphone, get Del Rio out here. You got to work on it, man. He just took his thing off and said something that was not audible. Like, yeah. And that was, you know, you bring it up. There's one thing that, that did kind of stick with me on a negative level last night was when they were running to the back and they ran past like a slew of people. The first person they got past was Tony Khan. He should have been last in line. He should have been like, yo, what the hell? And then like after they speed off, they turn the camera on his face and have him like worried, like what the fuck just happened to my show? I mean, that would have been should've... better, but he was the first in line they passed. He should have took a bump. You know, uh... Kenny, he, he should have got in Kenny Omega's face. I'm like, what are you doing? And Kenny should have just popped him right in the mouth. <laughs> oh my God, they hit, he hit Tony Khan. What's going on? Just make it just chaos. Chaos. And then what kills me is like we're still trying to digest it. And then some jabroni gets on a microphone and says, I'm not waiting next week. I want Lance Archer now. I'm like, what? <laughs> that one, that was definitely odd. How that Yeah, that, we just crapped on everything we just had. We had a perfect cliffhanger. And then you're wanting some guy that's in the the opening match, the murder hawk. <laughs> as as, as execution and refund. They don't ever think things through. Right. So I'm going to go into impact knowing, okay, I already know what happened. So now I, I know what happened. So I'm going to impact knowing what happened. If they would have did it where you didn't know what was going to happen an impact and they actually booked it where, you know, at the beginning of the show, you know, they're, they're knocking on the door to talk to Don Callis. The door is shut and you build it up to the, to the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the show. And then Kenny Omega comes out with the AEW title. Like if you do stuff to help both shows with good booking, it's going to work. But we know what's going to happen. It's obvious now. I, the the whole like, oh my god, this seems real thing is is not. They did it with the radicals where it felt like it was real. They definitely did it with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash where you felt it was real. This feels like a storyline. So I, I'm, I'm on the on the surface, I've got no problem with it right now because mm-hmm. um, it right. it just happened. I still mm-hmm. want to tune in to see because they didn't they haven't booked themselves in a corner yet. I mean, they, they're very salvageable on any part that is flawed from last night. Um, I just I think they could have did it better. Stars are literally like pushing it. Despite the level of excitement that I had that I shared with with you two about it, I, it does have its flaws. I'm not saying it was a perfect yeah. thing that they ever did or anything, but it got me excited and. And you guys know more than anyone else in this world uh, how hard it gets, how hard it is for me to pop 
for anything that AEW does. And I felt by the end of the night with what they did with Sting and this match, I thought that was a, a good AEW dynamite. And I'm ready they to just, watch next week. They just can't blow it. I don't want to see Sting in the ring burying the WWE. I don't want to see that. I don't think he will. Um, I hope he doesn't. Um, I don't even want to hear Sting talk next week. No, he shouldn't. It, it should no. It should be very authentic old school Crow Sting. He's right. going to talk with Tony Schiavone next week. Maybe he'll throw out yeah. hand signals or something. I don't know. Yeah, but it, it shouldn't. we shouldn't have... That shouldn't be happening. Well, and no. Well, here's the thing. They the said thing. that they said that's going to take place. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to talk. Tony Schiavone can be out there. Stink can come out. Stink can just stand there and not say anything and walk away. But they already blew their load. And when I say that, they've already announced. Like soon as it happened, and they put on Twitter, "Oh, Sting is all elite." Tony Khan, oh, he signed a multi-year deal. Oh, here's all the merchandise for Sting. It's like there's no there's no shock and awe. Like Sting comes out in the AEW shirt. Like there's no mystery as to what is he doing here. And that is a huge AEW logo on that Sting shirt. <laughs> right. They want to make sure that you see it, right? Yeah. So 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 it's like there's no mystery. There's nothing. Like, okay, we are David Meltzer already gave it away. Well, this is what Sting is gonna be doing. You know, like, it's no mystery. Oh, well, they already gave it away. The Young Bucks said that they've been trying to get a partnership with Impact for years. It's like we – and then the other thing that – and then definitely, because we, we, we ran long this show. Um, and then, you know, final thoughts on that. Um, this does more for Impact than it does for AEW. Let's just – Oh, that goes without yeah. saying – that definitely like, goes without right, saying. Right, right now, the Impact stars are literally building it up. They're they're literally on all social media building it up. And the the real measurement of success is going to be the rating for Impact. Do they even release the ratings for Impact? No, they will now. Access, access <laughs> yeah, you're right. They will now. Access doesn't. You know, uh, earlier today when I was taking my morning shit, I started thinking about something <laughs> about this whole thing. And that's where a lot of my great ideas comes from. Uh, I was thinking to myself, like, how how poetic would this be if, let's say, this becomes, like, I don't know, the hottest angle in the last five years, right? In, in all of professional wrestling. And... And TNT executives are looking at this and they're like, huh, huh, how can we, how can we get out of our contract with AEW and get this impact product on our program? Well, the thing that sucks is that there's no grand buildup. Like there's nobody, there's no dream matches I want to see with impact guys against AEW guys. I mean, the Good Brothers, okay, cool. You know, you can get the Good Brothers against the Young Bucks. Makes sense. They're both tag team champions. No, 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 no. I, I have to disagree with you yeah, on that. There is a dream that, match that right? I do want to see. I want to see Kurt Hawkins versus Zack Ryder. Yeah. 
We've never seen those guys in the same ring together, okay? And I want to see that. getting involved. And I want to I want to see the the moon variant Kamala action figure on a pole match. <laughs> yes. Right. You I, know, I, or swoggle on a pole. Yeah, I mean, like, what is what is the what's the big match we're gonna have? Yeah. What? As you were saying, like Good Brothers, Young Bucks. Yeah, but they outside of that, what's they, it? They won't wrestle each other. They'll just start mentioning Bullet Club. I don't want to see that match, to be honest. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're an AEW mark, like, what match do you want to... You want to see Rich Swan against Kenny no. Omega? Like, there's, they haven't built themselves up. Impact hasn't built themselves up to be ready for this right now. There, there's a handful of guys that I would love to see go one-on-one with Willie Mack. Willie Mack is like the guy on Impact right now that stick out in my mind that I would just love to see different pairings. Willie Mack and Kenny yeah, but, Omega. Uh, Willie Mack Willie and John Moxley. Willie Mack is a wrestler that can go. Willie Mack and Darby Allen. There you go. Yeah, but uh, again, those are good matches. But what is the match that's like, ooh, I want to see that. Eric Young versus Sting. Didn't we already see that before? <laughs> We're not supposed to remember things before 2015, remember? There's 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 nothing. There's nothing. Wow, do you want a cigarette after that one, Kat? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's there's no there's nothing. There's nothing to my final thought is this. This is gonna do wonders for Impact. I feel like Impact is not ready for this. I think that if they were smart, they would have gave the title to Ken Shamrock because he's a name. Ah, oh, yes. To mm-hmm. to have him face um John Moxley. You See, know, that would have uh, been great. Or you would have gave a title to, I don't know, uh Jack Swagger. And have him face to face with Ken Shamrock. You have that whole MMA thing going on, like See, that would make sense, right? But there, but this is stuff that I'm helping them to think of. There's nothing. There's nothing that's prepared right now no. that would make me happy to see this brand, you know, integration or you know, crossover thing happen. I think what's funny is they try to do this with New Japan. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember that. They tried to do a deal with New Japan and it didn't work. So they did? said, hey, Impact? we'll just... No, AEW. Oh. They were trying to do a crossover thing because they wanted to do um, the Golden New Lovers. Ended, yeah, the New Japan ended their contract with ROH. Right, so they were like, oh, well, we'll just, we, you know, we'll just partner with them. We'll just partner with them. It'll be no problem. And they, they just couldn't work anything out. So um, that was... I think the original goal and dream was to do that. I think the consolation prize is, is impact. I just, again, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited. I want to see what's going to happen. I think it's very, we haven't seen anything like this in years. I don't think we've ever seen a world champion appear on another person's program. So, um, as, and still be, you know, not, from a storyline perspective, like when Ric Flair came to the WWF and he had the WCW title, but 
like a real life perspective, like he's really their champion. I, I think, think that, the, the closest, good. sorry to cut you off, but I think the closest mm-hmm. this ever was, was in 2000 when you had uh, Taz versus Mike Awesome on an ECW house show in the spring of 2000 when Awesome was with WCW, Taz, WWE, and it happened on an ECW show, which is ironic because all, you know, the whole thing is literally ECW homegrown guys, but right. it was mm-hmm. three companies working together. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, or when you had Bret Hart that was allowed to be a part of Terry Funk's uh, retirement match. Oh, um, uh, yeah, with Dennis Stamp as the ref. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, we haven't seen anything but a, a sitting world champion. No. So, it ought to be interesting. I just think that Impact is just does not have the star power right now to make this a legitimate believable 100% I'm in and I think that these guys have a chance type few it's a good thing that Joey Ryan's not around there anymore oh dear god would have brought a whole new level of fuckery to this whole story he probably would have been hired to AEW I don't know remember his words where he didn't want to get hired to AEW so he also didn't want lawsuits either uh, before we head out, uh, Kat, do you have any uh, shout-outs, any plugs or anything like that? Mm, nope, none that I can think of. No no shout-out? Not even one? No. Really? Yeah. All right. Mac, how about you, buddy? No, I'm good this week. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You sure? I'm sure. Not not one single one? Not one. Who, who are we going to give a shout-out to? The DA? We could give a shout out to the DA He's probably the one listening to this right now But um, alright well with that said Ladies and gentlemen uh, This has been the Ring Scoops Podcast And DA is in the chat saying howdy right now actually Thanks for not saying howdy the last hour and a half Uh, If everybody out there wants to follow Ring Scoops on social media You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and Twitch all with the same username of at ringscoops for wrestlingtees.com slash ringscoops as well. We got brand new t-shirts up on there for y'all to check out. And uh, I think that's it right there, man. I think that's it. Cat Mac, thank you so much for joining this week, as always. Uh, great discussion on the world of professional wrestling. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Ring Scoops podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm the webmaster Wade Needham saying thank you, good night, and be cool.